The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. So the day is quickly approaching. We are marching toward the two big adventures we've been talking about. I know what you're thinking. It feels like forever. It feels like all we do on this podcast is talk about these adventures. But take heart. One of them is like 10 days away. That's the uh, the Autobahn Country Club Track Day in Chicago on August 22nd. And you guys have signed up. Uh, actually, a lot of you have signed up. Many of you have said you're going to come without getting on the track. We're very excited to meet all of you. And we're excited to get a lot of newbies on the track, which is what this event is about. But you've had a lot of questions. So, uh, okay. All right. got to get to some of those questions. Uh, we actually got Sean from Laps Incorporated on the phone. So it's going to sound a little different than our normal uh, recording does because it is a phone call that we recorded. But we got on a phone call with Sean. We took a bunch of your questions with us. So uh, we're going to go right now and hear what Sean had to say. So, Sean, thanks for joining us. I cannot tell you how excited we are to be in Chicago. I've never said that sentence, actually, excited to be in Chicago. But I'm excited <laughs> yeah, to be in Chicago, are. and uh, we're thrilled that you already have this event and we can partner with you. So thanks for joining us. Well, we're really excited. I'm I'm really excited to uh, have you guys joining us, and uh, looking forward to it. It's gonna be a great time. Yeah, it's gonna be good. We had a, a few questions on Facebook that we put out today, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. Yeah, telling everybody that we are coming. We uh, <laughs> we've made the joke that we've got plane tickets to Chicago. We hope people show up, but in fact, people have signed up, and they're asking questions of you as far as how the track day is going to be run. You know, mm-hmm. how, how's everything going to be going? And I'll just dive in here with uh, Mike Batchelor's question off of Facebook asking, he's planning to bring his Honda S2000. It's completely stock, and he's asking about driving a convertible on the track with no roll cage or hard top. So what are your track rules? How do you run the show? So the way we work this is the convertibles are allowed in our beginner and convert uh, beginner and intermediate run groups, not in the advanced okay. run group. Okay. So that gives them somewhere somewhere to and you know try it out, see what they think of it, enjoy their car, test the limits of it, you know, Perfect. try and learn some new skills. And then uh, if, if they decide to continue to advance, obviously they need to invest in the more safety equipment. Sure, sure. Got so it. What do you what do you require people to bring? That was another question that we had. Was what do you, I mean? You show up for the day. What do you need to have with you? Uh, how do you need to dress, et cetera? So truly, really, um, closed toed shoes, long pants. Um, we most likely will allow short sleeve shirts. Um, the tracks sometimes, you know, it's strange. You know, nine times out of ten, you can wear a short sleeve shirt. One time out of the ten. The gentleman running the the, the event uh, on the track then says long sleeve only. So mm-hmm. my advice would be truly to you know, it's uh, we've run into almost every track we've gone to. So mm-hmm. my advice Surprise. would be to bring one of each. Okay. Um, and we'll we'll do our best to make sure that uh, we can get the short sleeves on. You know, <laughs> assuming that it that it's hot enough. Otherwise, of course, we want people to wear long sleeve shirts uh, to help protect themselves. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's going to be sunny. I have no doubt. Yes. Yes, definitely. That makes me actually think of another question Todd and I have run into about windows up or windows down on the track. It seems in North America, a lot of tracks like windows down, but we've experienced in Europe, they don't mind. They they say keep the windows up. How do you run things there? Windows down. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so uh, everywhere, you know, the, the, 
The funnier question, so to sorry to ad lib a little bit, is sometimes convertible top up or convertible top down. Uh, <laughs> windows are always down, even in the rain. Some people don't like that too much, but that's how the, that the, all the tracks seem to require it. Tops, yeah. though, when it comes to convertible tops, it's very interesting. Again, it's very similar to the shirts, uh, long sleeve or short sleeve. It's up to the person who's running the event on the track side. Okay. All right, cool. So what talk, talk me through the event. I mean, how what's what's the schedule? Not in a specific way, but just in a vague way, meaning what kind of groups are we talking about? What kind of numbers and how much driving somebody get? Sure. So typically, you know, we run um, 30 minute sessions, usually run three or four run groups, and we tend to have beginner, novice, intermediate and advanced um, drivers. And that's kind of how we break it up. Um, so, uh, I would say anywhere from two to two and a half hours of track time is what one could expect. Um, right. and yeah, so it's a lot of track time. We run, you know, running the 30 minute sessions is, is good because Audubon's a long track. It's one of the probably top five or six last time I checked in the awesome. country at 3.56 miles. Yeah, that was, um, that's great. Right. And, uh, so in the typical schedule, gates open at seven. Uh, we have a driver's meeting at 8:15. Okay. Uh, first car, first car on track is usually about 8:30, and uh, then we have a we've got a staggered lunch that we do, trying to optimize track time. Oh, good. Okay. So we do, yeah. So we do 11:30 lunch begins for one run group, and then we stagger them so that we only lose a half an hour. So uh, oh, cool. okay. it works out pretty, pretty, pretty nicely. Is there any the left the track? There is so so the the event uh, for lunch, um, you know, Autobahn has a, a very nice cafe. It, it's, it's it's an outside cafe, but the food is very very good. It it can oh, be good. a little pricey. Um, so my recommendation for those that are concerned about uh, the prices, you can always brown bag it, uh, bring lunch, okay. bring whatever you'd like. Um, and uh, but there will be food, and they're usually open. Um, from sometime around, I would say nine or ten until about one thirty or two. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So there's there's food available. My honest uh, thoughts on it is plan plan on fifteen dollars a person. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So and, and that's depending on what you're getting, but that would probably be the average spent, I would think. So uh, and the food's awesome. The people are great. Good. So excellent. That's good to know. Sean, I think some folks on uh, on Facebook here were asking about things off the top of your head for service-related items to their car, things about maintenance, things that people can do just to get ready for track time. Because, as you said, 30-minute sessions are a long time on track, and brakes can heat up, brakes can get hot, you know, tires, all that kind of stuff. That really uh, affects things longer than just, you know, short stints. So what are some things people can do to their cars to check them over before they arrive at the track? Well, I, I, I do believe that uh, the way we run our events are self-tech. So okay. I'm, sure, I'm sure that you're aware of what that is. But just to be clear, um, you know, it's your your job and duty as the owner of the car and the driver of the car to make sure that your car is track-worthy and, you know, safe to put put on the track. Uh, make sure that it's been checked out thoroughly, if not by yourself, by, by you know, a, a trained mechanic. Um, and you know, when it comes to what you need, it's relatively interesting. My, my thoughts on what you really need to come to the track with your car is other than it being safe. And let's, <laughs> let's say looked over intensely, um, is, 
an Ate blue blue fluid, a high temperature brake fluid, something similar to that, um, okay. because you know that'll help prevent your brake fluid from boiling. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest issues. Obviously, if you can braided you know, steel braided lines and blue fluid and throwing in some some track worthy pads are always a good idea. Um, it just depends on what someone's looking to get out of the day. If mm -hmm. someone's coming out and, and they're really gung-ho and they're they're looking to ring out every last second on the racetrack and, you know, learning what they can to the nth degree, uh, I think they should put more thought into what they're bringing out to the track <laughs> and sure. make sure, sure. that they, they, they've got the, the proper, uh, you know, the, their mindset is the most important thing, but obviously a high-temperature fluid, um, you know, maybe a, maybe a set of track worthy pads, and um, you know, even you know, there are some cars out there that just absolutely, even with track worthy pads, upgraded everything. Mm -hmm. they, I've got I've got guys that drive with us that go through two sets of pads a day. Oh wow! Oh wow! Uh, oh, I think oh, one guy one guy used to change change pads three times. I mean, it mm -hmm. was just a you know, and believe it or not, a, a, I don't know why it seems to be the car, but an E46 M3 seems to eat brake pads. <laughs> well, so, you bring up uh, a great point just, there. Just, I think it is car dependent, and I also think it's driver dependent. I mean, I, I want to say to keep any uh, newbies out there who might be frightened now about costs on this, if you're a complete newbie and have never been on track before, I don't think you're going to be braking nearly as hard as people that are going through their pads. Unless you're showing up in a 4,000-pound car and suddenly decide to be a braking hero, I doubt you're going to be running through your pads. But everything Sean is saying well, I, directly relates I, to how hardcore you want to go. Exactly, and I agree 100%. Uh, you know, we've got plenty of people that come out and they've done nothing to their car. It's like a remarkable day. And, you know, as you mentioned, most of the time or any most of those issues that we're talking about that, that, that I brought up that come up are when people are um, beyond experimenting, right? They're, not, they're mm -hmm. beyond checking out to see what they think of it. They're, they're, they're between intermediate and advanced drivers at that point. Okay. Um, so, so I would agree. You know, you can bring a bone stock car and come out. Just make sure that, you know, it's been checked out, looked over, you know, and everything is in working order on the car. Yeah, I mean, I would say if you are a newbie, expect, if you haven't changed anything, you bring a fully stock car, expect to put major wear on your tires and your brake pads, depending upon how you drive and how heavy your car is, you may wear them out. But uh, as Sean's saying, when you can bring, it is a run what you burn event. As long as everything's working, it's not leaking, any of those kind of stuff, bring your car, let's go. So we're excited about it for sure. Yep. And for the record, you can have a, you can have a great time. Yeah, I would tell you that, you know, in the situation of beginners um, and novice drivers, uh, from what I've seen, 95% um, of those drivers can bring a completely stock car out that has been looked over. And uh, they will, you know, all all your brakes and your tires will wear, but they're they're not going to be pushing the car to the limits where they're going to be worried about replacing things. Great. Speaking Great. of limits, Sean, uh, before we let you go, last question here is about track insurance for first-time track drivers, and uh, even a little bit of fear. You know, people have heard about insurance companies staking out at major tracks and taking photos of people's license plates, that kind of thing. What are your thoughts on that, especially at the Audubon Country Club where the event is? Uh, you know, what do you think about track insurance? What we have said is putting pro drivers in a seat with you, which is the best insurance possible. But what are your thoughts? <laughs> so I've been doing this for quite some time. I started in 97 myself, and back in the day when we started doing this, there was no such thing. 
as as track insurance. Sure, sure. Um, And to put that into perspective as well, um, 95, I would say probably 98, 99% of people who come out um, aren't going to be pushing their cars to that point where where I think they have to worry too much about it. we we do have guys that that get track insurance on a regular basis. Um, I've never gotten it myself, but uh, you know okay. you have to have a you have to have an idea when you go out on the on the track what you, what your goal is for the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and my goal tends to be you know a number one most important thing that we say, um, or number one most important thing is to you know to be safe and not have any problems to bring the car home in one piece. As a matter of fact, <laughs> exactly. And one of the things we say in our driver's meeting is that there's absolutely nothing you're going to do with your car on the racetrack today that's going to increase the value of your car. <laughs> Fair point. Excellent point. Funny. It's funny. You know, so, so, so it, you know, it takes people pause for a minute and they just say, you know, all right, I get it. And the point to that is not to scare anybody. But, um, you know, just keep your wits about yourself. Make, make sure you're making good decisions and realize what you're doing out there. We consider it, we consider this like we're a bunch of guys that don't golf. This is a day out of the golf course for us, but it's at a road course. So we have a lot of fun, a lot of camaraderie, a lot of laughing. You know, for the most part, there's very, very few problems. And uh, when it comes to the insurance, I think it's a great thing, um, dependent on, on what your expectations are. Uh, you know, the yeah. day I tend I tend to see the guys who are intermediate to advanced who are the ones that are getting getting the track insurance, and you know to put it also into a little bit more perspective, um, when it comes to that insurance or or having an incident on the track, again 95 96 percent of the time it's I would probably say 99 percent of the time it's a, a driver error situation uh, mm. and. You know, it's contact with a tire wall or something like that. And let's call that 1%, okay? And that mm-hmm. 1% that we're talking about is usually an advanced driver or a high-level intermediate driver trying so hard to get into advanced that he's pushing it too hard. Um, <laughs> sure. So, sure. so right, right. rarely, 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 rarely. I mean, I would say since, uh, since 06, 07, we've had one or two car-to-car contacts at, at best ever. Okay. So just to keep in perspective, what happens to someone on the racetrack is, is still within their control. This is the way I look at it. Well, good. That's, that's excellent perspective. I actually have, that made me think of two things I want to cover real quick, and then we really will let you go. Uh, but thank you for all of your sharing with us. Somebody asked about bringing people along. If you bring along, like one guy asked about his 15-year-old son, do you allow ride-alongs or is that only instructors? And then the second part of the question is, will you have anybody that is an instructor or track uh, just aware that can ride along with drivers? So there's two parts of that question. Okay. So the first one, spectators um, are welcome. All right. The second one, I'm not quite sure. I didn't, I didn't hear everything, but, uh, you know, the, you you cannot bring you cannot have a passenger in a car with you who's under 18 and the only people at our events that have instructors are people who are at the advanced instructor level. Okay. So and I'm not sure if I covered the I'm not sure if I covered the second part of the question. There's good reason well, for that, and that's something that, that that's something that people don't realize as well. What we do out there is a ton of fun. 
But as long as you respect it and make good decisions, and one good decision to make is to remember that when you take a brother, a cousin, a best friend, a buddy, a wife, uh, Hmm. a son, and one of the things that I struggle with sometimes is I've got families, uh, a father and a wife that want to go out or, you know, things like that. You, you're in a situation where it sounds kind of funny, but I'm out there with my best buddy, and you know he's like, "Oh, come on, you can go faster." What do you, what do you break? You know, next thing you know, sure. it becomes a joking, fun thing they're doing in the car, and they wind up putting each other in a bad situation, trying to impress each other. Sure. <laughs> and and so we we try to eliminate that because the last thing we want to have any and it's to have happen is for to have it cost them, you know, uh, for them to have a problem with with the day. The goal is to go home laughing, joking, having a beer, you know, mm-hmm. having a burger with the group or whatever we do at the end of the event and uh, and, and high-fiving each other and looking forward to the next day. Cool, cool. Well, just, just to clarify one thing you said in there, will you have anybody there, yourself included, that can ride along with newbies and help them uh, learn the track, or is that is that an option? Oh, of course, of course, of course. So I, that was the part I didn't hear. I apologize. So That's good. Here's the, what, what we believe in. We don't believe in just uh, the, no one who's coming out that's new will will be thrown out in the track without help or experience. Oh. Oh, uh, we run, we run. So just a, a quick run through. Drivers meeting will be 8:15. Um, 8:30 the, the the advanced group will go out. Um, at that point, the 8:30 uh, we'll also we'll, we'll we'll do some uh, another drivers meeting for the beginner and intermediate groups. We'll then dismiss the beginner group into classroom, and we start uh, from scratch with a classroom and PowerPoint mm-hmm. presentation, and they'll have time to learn what they need to. Then they'll be paired up with an instructor. That instructor awesome. will be working. We'll, we'll be working with you know two to three drivers, and we'll also write seat in those cars with them. So there'll That's be some fantastic. lead follow as well as as well as write seating with everybody. That's assuming fantastic. they're That's great stuff. Yeah, assuming they're new. Okay. Well, that, that right. but that's we vitally helpful to new drivers. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. For sure. Yeah, and we don't out. ever want to put anybody on a racetrack ever, ever, ever without having the proper knowledge, experience, and, and help to get them to the point where they're safe. The most important thing is for it to be predictable and to be safe on the racetrack. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's what we believe in. Amazing. That's great. Fantastic. And bring your helmets, everybody. You provide helmets there at all? Uh, we bring your helmets. We, 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 I bring your helmets. Um, they need to be SA 2005 or newer. We've left that open this year because of the, the it, next year it'll be a different, it'll be SA 2010 or newer. Um, but, um, and we do have helmets for rent, but I believe that we, I'll look into it. If you need a helmet, have them, look in, have them uh, ask for one. I'll see if I can okay. get some more. Um, I want everybody to have a nice time. And, and uh, if they have one, bring it though. It'll be helpful. Yeah, for sure. definitely. <laughs> Sean, we we cannot thank you enough, not only for your help but for your time. Thanks for joining us and tackling people's questions directly because we can riff on it because we riff on everything. But uh, I wanted to have your actual answers, and of course, we'll all get to meet you uh, there on Monday, the twenty second. So thank you immensely, and we will keep thanking you as will probably everybody that comes. Yes, well, we're looking forward to having you guys out, and it seems like a great group, and uh, we can't wait. It'll be a good time. And uh, if anybody needs anything, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you, Thank you Sean. 
Well, so you just heard Sean, the three of us talking about the track day, and uh, it was pretty cool to hear his input because for as many tracks as we've been, everybody runs their track days differently. And it was nice to hear that he is very concerned about the experience and people leaving with a good experience and especially Mm -hmm. safety, which was comforting for me to hear, to be honest. We've been to a lot of track days, but the fact that he is really concerned about everybody there and going away, not abusing their car, but coming away really happy and excited and hopefully wanting more. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to meeting him, as we've mentioned, in person. We have not yet. And we're looking forward to meeting you all as well. So we're, we're really excited. Keep asking questions, uh, and uh, a lot of that will be answered at the driver's meeting as well. But of in course, the meantime, yeah. we will jump to a car debate that we have that is kind of rare. And I will say mm-hmm. that this is this is pretty interesting and cool. And it is Vanessa who writes us from New York City, New York. And she found our podcast. And she mm-hmm. wants to know, she needs help about buying a car here. I would just like to put it out there that I still have not yet been to Manhattan. I've not actually been to New York City. Oh, funny. Vanessa, funny. you're going to scream and shout at me, but I, I've driven, I've been through Newark airport. I've driven past it. I've seen it. I've flown <laughs> out of JFK. I've been all around it, but I've never actually been to Manhattan, downtown Manhattan there. So this is well, uh, this is a good reminder for me. It is interesting. And you know, it's funny, I'm reading this and it feels familiar to me because I have been to Manhattan a few times. And my sister, actually, my younger sister lived there for quite some time. That's right. And I'm listening to Vanessa's description and I'm going, yep, that was exactly my sister's life. And that is essentially, Vanessa has no car. She, she has no need for a car. It's all public yeah. transit and walking and dealing with the Manhattan thing. And my sister was the exact same way. But she has a license. She's always had a license. And so every now and then, she's rented a car to run a bunch of errands or to go upstate or whatever. That's exactly what my sister did. I mean, here I am, car guy, living in California when mm. I used to visit her, and would go just burn gas for fun like you and I talk about. <laughs> right. And my sister would go six, eight months and not drive at all. And then she'd rent a car for a weekend and either like go to the beach or sometimes it was literally Costco runs in the rented car. So this has been Vanessa's life. And it does sound very familiar to me, but she's decided, okay, I want to own a car now. I want to, I like cars enough. I'd like to own one, which is really interesting. And I have a side question for you, Vanessa, that you haven't discussed. And that is, where are you parking this? Because I know parking <laughs> yeah. can practically be the cost of your rent, but I guess we're not going to follow that rabbit trail, but it is a question. So this is where we start. Vanessa, I'm sure you've heard the joke about East Coast versus West Coast. In New York, people look at the bag that you carry and the shoes that you're wearing. Whereas in California, it's all about the car you drive and the sunglasses you have on. So it just kind of <laughs> depends on how people observe you and look at you. Of course, uh, yeah, different uh, different coasts there. But I'm thrilled. Thank you for writing. This is really cool. And I was I saw your email and just... Excited to jump in because, as Todd said, there's some external factors here, but we'll focus on the car. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all right, so here we go. Vanessa is uh, in New York City. She's five foot eleven, so she's been on the tall side there. And uh, mm-hmm. this does factor into her decisions. And so, from a small car standpoint, which you would think immediately get a small car, you know, less yeah, parking fits yeah. in Manhattan, yeah, yeah. fits around New York City better, but. This does factor into her decisions because she Mm -hmm. wants Mm legroom. She wants better trunk space. She's actually thinking about a four-door car. And her boyfriend here is suggesting, well, maybe you should get a beater first. I mean, I've never been there. I've never parked. Is it like Rio where people (laughs) leave their cars in neutral and they just 
get bumped forwards and backwards as people try to jockey for a parking space, or do they? It's not like that. But have you have you seen the the bumpers? <laughs> what have, happens? Have you seen the Have you seen the truck bumper thing? There was this yeah, thing that happened for a while. Flip out of the trunk, the, and you, yeah, you kept yeah you kept this bumper pad essentially <laughs> yeah. in your trunk, and you flipped it out when you parked your car. And I. I actually was here in Park City and saw one one day, and I thought, wow, you're from out of town. Uh, but <laughs> right. anyway, so, yeah, it, this could be very interesting. I'm really very curious about the parking thing in this scenario, but it, it doesn't get brought up, so that's a, a, an un, unknown question. But, yeah, we're talking about clearly the Miata is out here. I mean, that's kind of where we've yes, gone is we've yes. got to go cars that are a little larger. Uh, and she lists a bunch of cars that she likes the style of, and she acknowledges that generally she likes bigger stuff. I mean, like the Challenger and the Charger are cars that just really excite her. The problem is that the budget is thirteen grand, mm -hmm. so she knows right away that that's not possible. But she likes cars that are big like that, that have some attitude. I mean, she even lists here the Audi S8. I mean, we like it too, but I get it. The <laughs> the Mustang, some Camaros. She's She likes a lot of the, the mid-sized BMWs, not the SUVs. She prefers cars. I mean, you've got good taste. It's just we're dealing with the cost and size and parking question. Uh, but you're open as far as, you know, if, if it fits you and it's interesting, you want it to be an attractive car. And here's your boyfriend going, why don't you spend three grand and get a beater, which is another side of this equation. I I found a couple of interesting things. I don't know that I, I nailed this, but I've got a couple of thoughts that I think are really intriguing for Vanessa. Where are you? Vanessa, I've got some thoughts here that appeal to your aesthetic shopping side because mm, I come good. from a design background and I'm, I'm yep. all about the look and style. I'm with you. Absolutely. And so I've got four choices here that I want to run through. And then okay. kind of appeal to you, again, from your designer aesthetic and your, your sense of style as well. Because that is a lot of the reason we buy cars. It's the reason you mm -hmm. buy your mm -hmm. clothes and you choose the particular watch. Well, you don't, but you know what I'm saying. I, I don't, yeah. Well, but I also thought earlier, while you're picking on me, I also thought earlier you listed how you get judged in, in, in both the East Coast and the West Coast. <laughs> right. I failed on almost every single one of those. <laughs> I just, I failed. I, I never carry a bag. My shoes are always atrocious. Uh, the cars that I drive, generally people are like, he drives that. I mean, I pick something that, you know, your 16-year-old cool son... But 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 it's like the stuff your 16-year-old son really thinks is cool. I, I That's what I end up driving. It's the stuff that has depreciated off a cliff, and your 16-year-old son wants to drive it, and so do I. And then sunglasses, I buy whichever ones I can lose next week because I have that problem. So I fail on both coasts. Uh, I just want to acknowledge that. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I've got multiple pairs of sunglasses and had a Porsche when I was and in California, so I checked those boxes Your watch off. collection is superb. I hang always, my left you arm have a out fantastic the shoe collection. So yes, you 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 win, you win clearly. But yeah, mm -hmm. but but nobody but nobody looked at me and my hair and went, "Wow, he's fashion forward." So anyway, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, there we go. Some more differences, but uh, I want to run through the likes, the list of pros that uh, that Vanessa has sent. She sent pros and cons. Mm -hmm. The list of things that she likes is far longer, fortunately than the list of things she does not like, mm -hmm. which is good. So real quickly, Challenger and Charger, some big cars. And she's, again, thinking lots of space, lots of room for road trips. And, you know, mm -hmm. yes, shopping. Gosh, that brings up the insurance question in my mind while I'm thinking about it. But all right, stay on track, stay on track. Uh, okay. What else? Chevy Malibu, Impalas, Ford Fusions. And she's suggesting the newer ones here. 
She's run through Accords, Maximas, Altimas, as you said, the Audi S8, which is a big car. Uh, mm-hmm. RL- RLX from Acura, the small turboed SUV, SUV. Mm-hmm. That's kind that of interesting. That is the one random, yeah, that's kind of a left turn a little bit, but keep going, yeah. What else? VW Passat, that's a larger car from Volkswagen, Mustang, certain Camaros, but not all. Wow, you've even mm-hmm. listed the S-Class cars from Mercedes, S550 and S65. Woo! Yes, we have we have thirteen grand to spend. The thirteen thousand dollar S class. You don't want that, Vanessa. I'm you just don't telling want that you right car. now. You don't want that car. <laughs> right. Yeah, and also the thirteen thousand dollar S eight. Awesome buy. Good find. Brace yourself. Yeah. So it's yeah, flood damage salvage title car. <laughs> and uh, yes, she has expensive taste and a beer budget. That's what my mom always told me. I've always got expensive taste and a champagne champagne taste and a beer budget. That's what it is. Hmm. She would always tell me that growing up, and I thought, I'm always buying f- to have a car long-term, or whatever product it is, it's not in my mind to turn it over quickly, so I'm thinking, buy more expensive, mm-hmm. buy better, and keep it longer, but that's just how I've thought, so whatever. Um, what else? And four-door car. So she'd consider a two-door, but she is mainly, again, looking for four-door for the trunk space, for the legroom, and then she gets to the car she doesn't like. And I <laughs> Which makes us like Vanessa just a little bit more, I have yeah. to say. Yes. Agreed. So she doesn't like Pre-I, of course. No Corollas, no smart cars, no Kia Sportages, Sport, Sportage-I. <laughs> Leave it alone. Keep going, yes. Uh, Kia Soul's on there. Vanessa, I like the Kia Soul. I like yeah, it. Well, you can't agree on everything. Can't I, agree I on everything. It. And then finally, the Chevy Equinox is, again, also something she does not like. All right, so I've come up with four, and you've got a few choices here. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think? What are you thinking for Vanessa here? Well, I mean, one, one thing, one thing that really resonates with me on this is that Vanessa wants some, a car with some style, and I also keep thinking about the fact that this car is not going to get used much, which suggests to me that it's not really a car that we're all that concerned about usability either. So there's a part of me, there's a tangent that my brain takes and goes off into, let's just get something that's a style exercise and fun. Hmm. And I, But I acknowledge, I don't think that's exactly the right answer because there's other things about this that suggest I'm kind of off in the weeds. But I do want to list my wild card up front as a result. And that is, Vanessa, I'd be really curious for you to find and drive a Pontiac Solstice or a Saturn Sky. Because really, why, I mean, why? Because why not? They're they're great looking cars. Your thirteen thousand dollar budget, yes, you can do it, and you could get it in a in a in a stick shift if you wanted. I think you should, but you could get it in a stick shift if you wanted. Look, the trunk space isn't great. Actually, if you keep the top up, the trunk space is okay. The trunk space isn't great. Uh, the top mechanism, when you put it down, the trunk space. Guess what? It's now gone. Um, but. They're, they're great-looking cars, and since it's not a car you have to drive all the time, there's a part of me that just goes, where's that wild card? Because they're actually significantly roomier than a Miata. This is not a Miata or an S2000. They've got a decent amount of room, and they're inexpensive. That's my wild card. I'm going to put that right up front. I don't think that's the right answer, but there's a part of me that goes, Vanessa, when I say that, what's your instant response? Maybe you should go drive it. Hmm. I see what you're doing. You're wanting to get her into something fun and still – you know, man, I'm free of the city, top down. We're you know mm-hmm. headed mm-hmm. out, headed to the beach, and still roomy enough. I see what you're doing, but I I could see her saying, well, you know, it's just not as much space as she's expecting or considering. 
I mean, sure, she's sure. listed S classes yeah, and Chargers and Challengers yes. here. So we're we're yes, I'm I'm in the weeds. I fully acknowledge I'm in the weeds. But yeah, keep going. What else? Uh, well, do you want to tell us any more of your choices? I mean, you started way sure. out there. Do you want to pull well, it back? I did start way out there. Blue Here's, sky. <laughs> do I do I want to come back? <laughs> come on back, Todd. Come on, come on back. But here, look, I will list the two that first came to me. And one of the things you brought up here, Vanessa, is should you go with a beater car? And yeah, you could go spend three thousand dollars on a car. And 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 we, you know, we're not huge fans of that because. Of the counter problem, and that is, yes, you can go find a car for three grand, but then there's an ellipse after that event. What does it need? How much more money you have to spend on it? Let's not pretend you're going to buy a three thousand dollar car and just drive it for the next two years and not put probably another number with a comma in it into that car to keep it running well. Is that a bad thing? Not necessarily, but I, I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, I'm only going to spend this much," and they think they're done. I think you're kind of beginning. So there, there is an option. The other thing we say to people on really cheap cars is look at your price point and surprise yourself with what you find. It's very mm -hmm. hard to say, well, this car is available for three grand. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But right. I always find when I look really, really cheap, I put that into Craigslist or even AutoTrader or wherever, that $4,000 budget. And I start scrolling and I go, huh. Didn't know you could get one of those. Oh, look at that. There's one of those. <laughs> and look, you, an you Audi S8 for five grand. Huh. Exactly. You never know. But then you have to brace yourself for what does it genuinely need? Why is it this cheap? What's the mileage? One of the ones that falls in that category, though, that I actually kind of like for you, stylish, roomy, probably reliable. Yes, you can get them for that. The 90s, early 2000, what was it? 90s, I think. Lexus SC. Their first oh. kind of GT car. There's the 300, which is the base. There's the 400, which is the more powerful. That is still a great-looking car. They're Lexus. They're reliable. They are, I, I've always thought that car is great-looking. Uh, it has a super engine in it, depending on what version you get. It's got that old uh, straight-six from the super in it. You can get those for four to five grand all day long. They're going to need something. They're going to be high miles. But I like that car for you. I really do. Hmm. Hmm. Didn't see that coming. So then... Well, I mean that—that's where my brain landed because because I'm really stuck on I'm really stuck on the cars she likes that have got kind of interesting flowing styling. That's what I see in the cars she lists, and so I thought, all right, let's go GT car. That's where my brain went. I realize the Pontiac Solstice is out in the weeds, but my brain kind of went that way. So that was what led me to the Lexus, which is cheap, and then in that same line, Infiniti G37 Coupe. Okay, can you get them for plenty 12 of room in that car? Ish. Yep, Pl plenty of room in that car. Decent trunk space, great engine. That's a good-looking car that is aged well. You can get it for your budget. I think it. I think that that's actually my favorite so far of the ones on my list. I've got one more, but that's my favorite because I think that does all of the sexiness. It does the budget. It does the usability. I think that checks every box. I think the best part that I like about this conversation is that we don't trade our ideas. I mean, these are. I'm hearing these for the first time, so it's just. Mm -hmm. It's making me think that Lexus. They made an SC300 that you could get with a stick shift. It's a very rare car, but you could actually get that car with a stick shift. Mm -hmm. But then the, you know, the SC400 was the bigger engine and automatic and all that jazz. Yes. And I, I have one more that's a little more, I feel like, in a different direction and grounded. So I want to hear from you first and come back to my other random idea. But that Infiniti and those Le that Lexus, they both struck me and I went. And I was surprised to find out how cheap the Lexus is. 
Because yeah. I know that car is going to run. It's yeah. going to need stuff, but it's but it's going to run. Yeah. So yeah, there's real options there for you, Vanessa, for sure. <laughs> Search around in Florida for that cheap Lexus SC that's been yeah. sitting in some retiree's garage, or you know. Yeah. <laughs> that that might be a find. All right, jumping in, Vanessa. Think aesthetics. I went pretty new for you, by the way. Okay. And I okay. did. I did knock on the high end of your budget. I did. I was knocking hard. But I figure. I'm shocked. Here's my. Uh, ev- everyone listening is floored. <laughs> well, here's my thinking. Her budget is ten to twelve thousand for a real car, but I think uh-huh. is a twelve thousand five hundred dollar car still in that twelve k category. You know what I mean? Like is it, so I, I put in you know searches for thirteen thousand and under. Therefore, considering mm-hmm. you could try to talk somebody down to twelve five or twelve four. No, I think that's fair. No, that's fair. Uh, that's kind of where my headspace is at. All right. 2014 Mazda 6 Sport. Mm. This is an interesting car. I see that. Mazdas were yeah, nowhere to be found on your list, Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is a stylish car, and especially being newer and really uh, a, uh, a shot at that maintenance thing, the maintenance concern, yeah. that thing's going to run. It could sit for three months. It could be driven ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. It's going to be fine. So I found you one for twelve nine, again on mm. the high side. But I figure, could you talk somebody, you know, talk five hundred bucks off that price? What and what walk- year was that one? Twenty fourteen. That's a that's a find, man. That's a good deal on that car. That Pretty Mazda crazy, 6 huh? Is, keep going. That's great. I like it. I like it a lot. And again, it's very stylish. Mazda with what they're doing, the way their their surface development is going, is just it's great, and it continues to get mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. All right, so then I thought of the 2012 Volvo S60. and get a T5 version for 12.9 also with only 59,000 mm. miles. Now, those are good cars. The, you know, the reliability a little bit more in question and therefore insurance cost, you know, parked in town, gets a ding, mm-hmm. you, need, you know, repairs, that kind of thing. Because it's a Volvo sure, and therefore sure. a bit more of a luxurious car, would insurance be higher for you on that? TBD. I don't really know. But Mm -hmm. those are interesting. They're unique. They're fun to drive. Volvo seats are fantastically comfortable and would be a great car. Plenty of space for you. All right. So two more here. Quickly touching on the 2010 Acura TL, which is also good size. And I saw you did have the Acura RLX on here. But what about the TL? That's the sedan. I don't like it as much as the other two. But I had to put that in there so I could lead you to this car, which is the car I think you should buy. Okay. It's also a car we've ne- never recommended on the podcast before. Believe it or not, for Look as many you. cars as we recommend, this has still not been recommended yet. Okay. 2013 Kia Optima LX. This is the third hmm. generation Kia Optima. In North America, they gave us the 2-liter turbo with 274 horsepower in this thing. I found you one with only 13,000 miles for 13K. What do you think? Hmm. Here's why I say the I'm appealing to your aesthetic side, and this is because it was designed by the chief designer named Peter Schreier, who came from Audi. This is one of his first projects that has now established the tiger nose design that all Kias have now. And... <laughs> the guy knows what he's doing. He was responsible for the yeah. for the Audi lineup through all of the 2000s, at least. And great designer. 
uh, he may be retiring here soon, but you know, love it or hate it, you know that it was designed by a true car guy and is, you know, somebody who really appreciates good aesthetics. I mean, he came from Audi. So there you go. That should uh, appeal to your aesthetic design style side of yourself. You know, you might not have looked at it closely because you didn't like mm -hmm. two other Kias, but take a look at this car. They have dropped in price and they had so much standard equipment. The warranties are very high. This thing is going to run and it's going to be inexpensive to insure. And best of all, it's a pretty good sized car. So I think you get a lot of stuff, good legroom, all that stuff, good space. I think you should go for the Kia Optima. At least go take a look at those. Interesting. And you're going to smoke the tires across every intersection with 274 horsepower. I guarantee you. That's yeah, where but maybe not in a good way. But I take your point. All right, I, I see where you went. I do see where you went. Um, hmm, I agree with you. I'm liking the fact that we are not at all on the same page for this. <laughs> it's uh, interesting. It I, keeps things fresh and interesting. I have, I, like it. I have two others that I thought of because, you know, I acknowledge that so far I haven't talked about four doors at all for Vanessa, and that's kind of this is true. where she started. And she's also talked about you know bigger cars, muscle car feeling cars. So I have two others that I thought of that I think you should take a serious look at because I was trying to think about things that have some attitude and yet are genuinely fun to drive and will just run. Okay. In your budget, I have, I have two others. One, you like the Challenger and Charger. Go shop for a Pontiac G8. Now, you're not going to yeah. get the big GXP. <laughs> you're not going to get the big GXP monster for that. But you can probably get the, the base one is a V6. The, the GT, which is the middle grade, is a V8. You can probably find that one for your budget. I looked and found a few right around that 12, 13 mark. There are a few of those GTs out there. So you, and, and honestly, that car looks like what the current Chevy SS should look like. That car's got attitude. It looks mean. Yeah. You're going to end up with a lot of the muscle car, large car attitude that you're hoping for in that Charger and Challenger. There it is at your price point. And I think those are better looking than the SS. So Pontiac G8 is a real genuine contender for you if you want to go four-door. And then the other one, that as I don't know what it was, but something about, I think it was the Volvo that made me have a random leap to one more I just thought of. Okay. You have to shop a bit, maybe even nationwide, but watch our review of this car because it's great and you can get them for your budget. A Subaru Legacy Spec B. Oh, this yeah. is a 06, <laughs> 07, 08 car. Okay, so it's a Subaru Legacy, but it's it's so it's a slightly tuned, toned down WRX, but it's WRX running gear in a sedan. Those things hoon. Yeah, they all do. wheel drive, stick shift. You're going to find, like, I've got two sitting in front of me right now. Both of them are in your budget, and they're both close to 100,000 miles. But bring that on. Those cars are genuine fun. I think that's a real contender as well. There's my two sedans for you, Vanessa. Hmm. G8 had to be in there, definitely. I mean, for the price yeah. and for the amount of space yeah. you get. And it and is it's, a bit of a rocket the, ship with the V8. It's the attitude she's looking for. Yeah, that's the there thing. is attitude when, when there. I, when sure. I hear her talk about what she likes about American muscle cars and big cars and cars with attitude, the problem is a lot of the stuff we're looking for, we, we aren't hitting, hitting those boxes. And then I went, wait, wait, wait. The G8 does it. It does it. It's almost like a, uh, a budget Chevy SS or a way to get it a Chevy SS is. feeling. It absolutely is. Far no, less no money. Question. Who yeah. cares that Pontiac as a brand is not around anymore? Who cares? If you want that car, I mean, the running gear is the same. I mean, yeah, yeah. go for it. Go for it. That's it's it's GM running gear. You're not buying a unicorn where it's like, where do the parts come from? You right. know what you're not doing? Right. You're not buying the $12,000 Volkswagen Phaeton, which 
Honestly, I will admit, I have been seduced by that idea. But then you think about, A, running costs, and B, who do you even get to service that car? This is not the $12,000 Phaeton problem. It's no. a Pontiac G8. Yes, the nameplate is gone. All the parts exist, folks. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I hear you. Man, I still think of those 01 to 03 Audi S8s. I still really like those. I know you do. I just I know you do. Dig them. Aluminum, all aluminum, and that V8, and they're just stealth. They've just been driven into the ground by many executives, and then they're you know now selling them with 150,000 miles, and they're just kind of beat down. But, and you could probably create uh, a direct transfer deposit from your credit card to your mechanic when you buy one of those, exactly. so that he can just he can just draw off of your account any time he needs to, which will probably be often. Exactly, man. My mechanic got a new boat. Well, yeah, he it's must be weird. doing well. I guess he's doing. Where's well. Where's the S8? Oh, it's in the shop again. Yeah, exactly. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, Vanessa, we hope that helps. That is uh, a huge list, but. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, this is unique. Your ask is very unique and really interesting. And you're right. I do need to come to New York and uh, eat in some fancy restaurants and enjoy the city. So, yeah, I need to do that at some point here. That would be cool. But we won't be going there to drive. I want to acknowledge that. We will be going there for everything but driving. Yeah, you don't really do and that yet, in there's, New York. There's something cool about Man Manhattan. And I'm excited, Vanessa, that you're looking for a way to be a car person and to drive your own car that you love while living in Manhattan. I'm worried about your parking, but otherwise, I'm excited for you. Uh, I'm worried about your insurance. We have covered, <laughs> yeah, we have covered a lot of ground already on this podcast, so let's uh, just do one car debate tonight. But we're going to move on to your Facebook questions. You asked a lot that were track-related, many of which we covered already on our call with Sean, but uh, I had a couple more I wanted to mention. Did you have some too, Paul? Yeah, JJ uh, asks here on the Facebook page about how much I mentioned the band Rush. I guess it's you know, your first concert just sears that into your mind. And I don't listen to them all the time, but it's just that that is one of my faves. And uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Red Barquetta, one of the best rock songs about cars and driving. So lots of good stuff. But uh, we should talk about sometime on a different podcast about best driving songs. We've covered some of them before, but I always like talking about, you know, the music you listen to, where you're mm -hmm. at, depending on your mood. You know, how does it shift and change? But, yeah, that, that song's pretty up there for me, JJ. It's pretty cool. That's cool. That's very cool. Fond memories. Uh, we had multiple, <laughs> multiple track-related questions. Devin asked, he said he's an autocrosser. He's thinking about coming to the Chicago Track Day. We'd love to have you. He's an autocrosser. He's asking, how different is track driving from autocrossing? And do we feel like track drivers are more prepared for autocross or autocrossers more prepared for track driving? I'm pondering this. I, here, here's my takeaway, Devin. I think you'd be in a great place to jump from autocross to track. I feel like that is a good progression. One of the things that I think autocrossers really bring to the table of track driving is weight shift. You have an understanding of how a car shifts its weight. Mm -hmm. What you don't have is a familiarity most of the time with high speed and high speed braking. That's, that's something that you, you're probably going to have to learn. But I think that, you know, I'll speak about myself. I don't, I don't think I'm all that good at autocross. And I don't think I'm all that good at autocross because I am kind of used to being, I mean, hey, I did well at the, what was it, the ST Octane thing. I happened to do okay. But oh, yeah, you did the, great. The, uh, the thing about uh, normal track driving is you end up with a lot more speed and your braking becomes, how you brake becomes a lot more vital. Whereas in autocross, you throw the weight of the car around a lot. And I think it teaches you a lot. Uh, you'll be killing people in all the slowest corners of a track. 
you may struggle a bit with uh, high speed front straights and proper braking zones because you just haven't had that. Yeah, I'm chewing on this question too here. Uh, you know, track drivers better prepared for autocross or is it the other way? I, um, I'm thinking about speed because in track driving, it is about speed and weight shifts, certainly. Autocross is, uh, it's like our friend Robin Jennings. He's a ex-pro baseball player and has described baseball as, you know, three seconds of intense concentration followed by a lot of standing around, which I find hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I, I think autocrossing, because you're on such short courses, you uh -huh. c you're just doing, you're not doing multiple laps like you do on, on track sessions for you know, like That's a, a good 30 point. minute That's a track session. Mm -hmm. You're doing, you know, just one timed 45 seconds through or 60 seconds through. And so you just have to know those corners, but you don't mm -hmm. have to know them again coming back around because you get a nice breather. You get to take a break. So I guess it's going to depend on, it's going to depend on a lot of things. Track, you add speed and you're going to be doing it again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. Is your comfort level more, you know, more suited for that? and you're ready for it again, or are you exhausting yourself completely on one run and then you're just mm. drained? You mm. know, like you cram for a test and then all the information leaves you and yeah. you have no idea. You, you couldn't answer the it's, questions again. You know what I mean? It's sprint versus marathon. I mean, you're, you're reminding yeah. me of when we were doing our first laps on the ring last year in Germany and you, <laughs> we both had this situation. The, the largest tracks in the U.S. are four-ish miles, okay? The ring is 13 miles. Right. So you have done like two and a half laps of the longest track in America to run the same distance of doing the ring one time. Somewhere around three-quarters of the way through the lap, your brain's done. You're overloaded. Right. You, you, you are now filled to capacity. You have a third <laughs> of the lap left. So this yeah. is the difference autocross of, you know, 60 seconds worth of intense focus versus, okay, it's a three-mile three, three track. You're going to be on for two or three minutes at a time at least. So that is a difference in I – mean, there's nothing to say you can't do it. It's just that is a different focus point. I hadn't even thought about it that way, but you're right. Yeah, and it's, you know, on some tracks, most tracks, less memorizing of the turns because you can see them coming, albeit at high speed – but you're seeing them coming again and again, so you can memorize them real quickly hmm. versus autocross where you're just – your brain is full. You're just expending all your energy on the exact you know, minutia placement of your tires because the time is so crucial for And speed autocross. maintenance, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, keeping your speed. Whereas if you, know, you bleed a little bit too much speed, you break a little too early on a track, all right, you're coming around for another lap. You know, just – <laughs> you're, you're You'll be things. back here again in a few minutes, unless you're on the ring. That is true. <laughs> like, we were just uh, here. Have... Why didn't we stop here? We were just here. <laughs> I have one other one that I noted, but I didn't know if you had any others. I, I think the big question about people are asking in general, and I'll just kind of open it up here, and that is, uh, as we've addressed with Sean, a daily driver car handling track duties. And again, mm -hmm. to his point, it's going to really just depend on how much you want out of the track day. It's going to do, generally do fine. We've driven plenty of normally stock cars on track. Of course. And yeah, yeah, yeah. they're going to be just fine. But, you know, just keep in mind that, you know, you're, you're the one paying for it. So you don't mm -hmm. want to abuse your car. But go out there, have some fun, and feel the differences in street driving versus track. And one of the big yeah. things I can tell you up front here is braking. 
Whereas in street driving, we ease into the brakes, come into a stop, and then finally, when we're at a stop, the brake is fully depressed. Versus track driving, which is the exact opposite. Coming up to a yeah, corner, you yeah, want to get yeah. hard on the brakes, all your braking done, and ease off the brakes as you're increasing speed to the corner. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I want you to feel those differences, and it's it's different things on the car. I want you to be able to come away going, wow, such you know night and day differences, but ultimately we want you to be better drivers. And uh, that's that's the whole point, is just more... Yeah, and I, and I doubt that the average... Drivers. I, yeah, I doubt, and it'll it'll revolutionize you to understand how much your car can do. I, if you've never been on a track before, whatever you drive every day, whatever it is, I, honestly, I don't care. It is more capable than you even realize, yeah. and that's what's great about being in and on a track. And most people doing a first-time track day are not going to end up pounding on their car too much. There will be wear. There will be braking wear. There will be tire wear. But most people, candidly, are just not aggressive enough to mm-hmm. really wear through the pads and the tires on their first track day. It's possible, it's just not common. The guys that are blowing through tires and pads are pushing really hard, and this is not their first day. Yeah, they've so done it a lot. keep in mind. Exactly. Yeah, whatever car you're bringing. I mean, here's the thing. I hadn't even thought about this when we were talking to Sean, but it's very, very true. Every year, you and I go to the Motor Press Guild track days. Those are just stock cars. Completely. They just pulled them out of the press fleet, yeah. parked them, and cut a bunch of journalists loose, some of which can drive, some of which... Honestly, I'm not sure how they can commute. But anyway, the range of driving talent is staggering, and they're just going back-to-back-to-back laps in these fully stock, right-out-of-the-press-fleet cars. Most of them hold up pretty well. (laughs) The one year that uh, Volkswagen wanted to bring a new GTI to the track, and they didn't have one in the fleet, so they went to their local Denver Volkswagen Mm -hmm. dealer, yanked one off the showroom floor, and let everybody have at it. So I recall you brought it back in with smoking brakes. I mean, they were smoking. I, I did. And I, I did, um, yes. mm-hmm. I, I recall it distinctly. And they kind of went, oh, yeah, maybe we'll just have this car have a little time out over here. Let well, things cool off. Nobody, first <laughs> off, you heard, you, while this is how this actually went down, while you were in the pits trying to find the next car to drive, I was on the track in this GTI hooning it. <laughs> yeah, You're you hearing the story. You're hearing the story. While I'm on the track, that this is a car they pulled out the showroom floor that morning. Exactly. I'm paying attention to track driving. I'm not looking at the mileage on the car. I have no it idea that no one has zero. bothered to actually set these brakes. <laughs> no one's bothered to actually burn the brakes in or set them properly. Yeah. And I'm track driving it. And so I pull into the pit and I stop. It's one of those things where it's like a reverse Michael Bay moment. I pull to a stop and then the cloud of smoke followed the car and engulfed <laughs> me. And I kind of went, oh. And everybody looked at me and went, Good. Excellent. I, was like, I had no idea. You didn't tell me this was brand new. Brand so, new, So, yeah, baby. they put that car in timeout. And then the the great the great Volkswagen press guy, who's incredibly nice, when I needed to drive it later for camera, he came over to me and he goes, um, can, can you take it easy a bit for me? <laughs> exactly. And I just started laughing. I said, sorry. The, the stuff we're doing now is the car-to-car footage, and I'm actually going to go, like, half speed. Right. But, right. oops. You know, anyway, yeah. So, yeah, don't, don't, I, I, I wish I had a VIN number for you. Don't buy that car. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hoover is driving that car is, uh, well, no. Uh, we won't smoke your brakes, and uh, I'm sure your cars have the brakes broken in, and they've been driven a little bit. So we yes. probably won't have that problem. So, anyway. Uh, I had one other question I want to talk about, again, track-related. Uh, let's see. It was um, Drew here wrote in and said, what's the best place to mount a GoPro to record track time? 
look, I'll acknowledge we mount multiple, and so you probably aren't going to bring a lot of GoPros. You don't have a bag of GoPros like we do. And, and here's the crazy thing. <laughs> no matter like how many we, have you noticed this? <laughs> no matter how many times we buy a GoPro, we go, you know, I wish I had one more. No it's kidding. ridiculous. It's like... <laughs> It's like we have a bag of them somewhere, and they're still not enough. But, exactly. but what I would say to you, Drew, is this. The, the perfect spot, I feel like, that gets you the most information later is a place you can't always put a GoPro. And that is if you could imagine it floating just behind the, the seat backs between the driver and the passenger. So if you have a roll cage, it's a great place to put it. You're not going to have a roll cage on your car. So then I would say the next best spot is to put it on the back glass looking forward through the cabin. And the reason I recommend that is because unlike us, you're not going to be talking to the camera. When you get that shot back, if you set it up right, you can see fish fishbowl style. You can see out of both your side windows and your front window, and you can see your driving. So you can take that thing later and you can actually assess what was I doing in the car right then? Was I doing the right thing? And you can also see traffic, corners coming up, your line. If you're going to have one camera, that's the one I recommend to get you the most information. If all you're worried about is I want to see the track, then front windshield. I concur, doctor. I was going to say the exact same thing. Back glass, back of the car, looking forward, straight out the front, because you can see yourself react to what's coming. You're going to be watching through, you know, past the past yourself through mm -hmm, the window, mm -hmm. through the windshield at what track and what part of the track is coming. And you're going to be able to see your reactions and you're going to say, aha, yeah. breaking too early or oops, turned in too early there or whatever that is. And you're going to see the track and your reaction at the same time, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, helpful. Anyway, well, we will wrap things up and uh, leave it here. Vanessa, thank you so much for writing us. And huge Definitely. thanks to Sean for hosting the upcoming event. That is the Chicago Track Day, if you're not aware. It is August 22nd, so very soon here. We would love to see you out there. And for those of you signed Definitely. up, looking forward to it. Looking forward to the driver's meeting where we'll get even more information. And if you look at our everydaydriver.com adventures tab, that will describe more about Chicago Track Day, but also the pilgrimage trip. This is the mm -hmm. big daddy the trip in Germany. We're going to Germany and Spa Francorchamps in Belgium. And yep. we have we have the trip planned. It is happening, but we do have slots left. So if you're yep. considering, if all this talk everybody of go and has track time everybody and, go and has plane tickets. Yeah, I mean, we're really do. going now. We're it's really going. pretty serious in the last few weeks. This is plane awesome. Plane tickets have been bought, hotels booked. Cars are lined up. I mean, it is seriously happening, but you can still come if you want. That's a great point. Yep, yep. There are slots left, so you can still come. And uh, to all of you writing on Facebook, this is what we need. We couldn't do it without you. So thank you for your questions and your support. Until next time, cheers, everybody.